Welcome back to The Shed, everybody. You're here for episode 110. We're way past the century mark. It's a blip in the rearview mirror, and we are just charging forward into an unknown that only we welcome. Damn it. But you're coming with us. So here we go. We got a bunch of stuff we got to chew over this afternoon. We're feeling heavy weight entertainment value. So stay awake for God's sakes. Here we go. Got to stop with the editorials too. That's... Hey, I've been on a little project lately. We, you know, with all the house, we got like years and years of work ahead of us in the house, just doing sorting and trying to get rid of old stuff. And I finally uh, took my old chest that I made in Cub Scouts out of plywood. Anyway, inside that box was a whole bunch of old letters and old mementos, the original lyrics to Captain Fantastic and the Brown Dirt Cowboy included with the album in uh, super good, pristine condition. Uh, Letters from Skin, letters from Jeff Jones, letters from uh, various people, some letters that I wrote but apparently decided not to send, some scripts that uh, Skin and I did some audio tapes from. I have one of those, Big Things We Need, Skin. Skin, we need these. We need stamps. Oh, what's this? <laughs> we need a, cof- room rug. a coffee Bathroom table. Format. Stapler. Of course, no two young bachelors can have a complete life anywhere in the world without a stapler in the house. That's important. Uh, anyway, it's just kind of fun going through all that. And uh, coincidentally, Robbie sent me a scan of a letter I sent him in uh, 1990. I was a lot smarter then than I am now. Where was that list from? Well, it was from 1977 at a rundown little dive apartment that we had in Calgary. Right, right, Calgary. On East 13th, is that right? I can't even remember Something West like 14th. That. Yeah, I, just, I was there once, right? Didn't yeah. we do Caesars there? At the, oh, that, yeah. Yes, yeah. we sure did. And I got post, postcards from Skin in uh, Europe and all kinds of good stuff. So, oh. yeah. Yeah, and I, I got one here. RJ scanned and sent me some of these that I sent to him, and I wish I could conclude that I was way smarter then. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the 70s. The 70s was different, man. It was, uh, yeah. So mine here, here's here's Dear Dick Butch Richard Tient. <laughs> this USS Enterprise is a single-wide house trailer permanently docked at the Block Motel. Moby Mavis and me, and I put little song notes in there as if I was supposed to be singing. Have taken up residence here. Moby's on afternoons. Mavis is in town. There's no TV, no turntable, a horrible eight track. Horrible no eight books. track, huh? <laughs> yeah. So I bought a case of beer to write letters with while the horrible eight track digests yet more of our rapidly dwindling supply of horrible eight track tapes. <laughs> so it's pretty much no change from my this goes against style, uh, what we were saying about eight episodes back about weren't eight tracks great. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, it just depends. It Skinny, depends. did we ever get a TV in there? Yes, we had to have. We must have, yes. I can't believe. I don't know where it would have come I, from. I remember playing Nerf ball in the living room. Oh, yeah, a lot of that. A lot of that. Anyways, these things are pretty interesting. What's fun about it is my youngest daughter, Jenna, has taken to exchanging actual letters with her friends. Say hi and all that kind of that stuff. That is really and cool. Lo and behold, yeah, lo and behold, here comes letters we wrote back in the day when that's actually how you kept in touch mm-hmm. with your friends. 
You wrote them to say, here's our phone number. You wrote them to say, why don't you go up to town on that weekend? So this is not the first time I've received a letter I wrote from someone else. Mary of Oak Bay, as part of their decluttering exercise, sent me old letters that I wrote them. And it's really great. I mean, so listeners, something you can consider is if you have a whole bunch of old letters that people sent you, you can consider at least photocopying them or scanning them and, uh, or sending the originals back to the people who wrote them. Cause it's a real, it's kind of like a diary, right? And there's, I read, you yeah. read the whole letter and you go, I don't remember any of that. <laughs> it's, it's in mm-hmm. some of it you yeah. do, of course, but it's quite, it's quite cool. Do you remember, uh, at seven, seven, six, one of the key memories I have is several of us, perhaps eight people crowded into the little TV room watching Saturday Night Live, maybe its first ever episode. There's there's three great, I think there's three great big armchairs in there. Yep. Uh, and I do remember watching Sunday Night Football in there for sure, I remember, and thinking that it was the coolest thing. Yeah. Because it, it must have been John Weir's television, I think. I'm sure. I'm sure he kind of set it up. But, you know, drinking beer and watching football, and I just really thought, ah, oh, esprit de corps. <laughs> <laughs> I can this live this That's right. right. <laughs> That's what I felt working at Kamiko right up until winter came. I don't remember the Saturday Night Live, though, RJ. I remember watching the, I believe, the opening episode of it, but I'm not sure. But we sh- sure enjoyed it. Saying you could watch the opening episode is... Uh, really good anecdote material, at least, even if you can't actually remember yeah, for sure yeah. that it's true. So I have a question for you, boys. You ready? ready? You ready? ready? This is a trick question. I found it to be a trick question anyways. Do you guys know rayon, the substance yes. rayon? Do you or do you not think that rayon is a man-made substance, panel? Yes, I believe it's man-made. I would believe it's man-made, but I have to invert that because it's a trick question. So I'm going to say that it's natural. Absolutely. <laughs> what if I did the old double reverse fake on you, though? What about that? What about that? I might be. I might be just thinking, I'm going to just, this whole thing is just going to be That would be pretty RJ. deep and layered thinking there, Skin. And he would think you were an th- asshole. Well, I was just going to thank RJ for not adding for you. <laughs> onto that. that would be deep and layered thinking for you. And in fact, you would be correct to make that remark because it is regenerated cellulose Uh, fiber. Man, okay, but there's an argument that that's man-made then. Regeneration implies some process. (laughs) So, is gasoline man-made? Yes. (laughs) Gasoline's totally man-made. Like that it thick, sludgy lot. oil that Going comes in. oozing up when Jed Clampett shoots at a rabbit. That is natural. So somewhere so somewhere there's a big building that's taking in coal and rocks and dead animals in one end, and they're pushing out crystal clear, high-octane gasoline it's at the other It's taking raw, right? sludgy Jed Clampett oil in, and yes, it's totally <laughs> processing it. <laughs> All right, listeners, there's your message is a product that cannot be replicated without, um, like gasoline, I think that's not a bad example. Is gasoline man-made or not, by your definition? And I'm saying no. I'm saying synthetic oil 
is probably man-made, but I'm not even sure. I think you should have said, is rayon synthetic? Right. That's it. That should that should have been the question because I I agree that it's man's hands are in the process there too, but it's still a natural comes from a natural substance. Like if you ask if helium well, is man made, then even though humans can manufacture can can extract helium, uh, the answer is no because helium is a naturally occurring substance. But rayon occurs nowhere in the earth without man's intervention. <laughs> Unless some random cellulose got struck by lightning and it just perfectly created the rayon fibers. Then fell into a whirling river and got mashed up against the rocks and <laughs> foamed up to the top and then the wind skimmed it off onto the beach and there was rayon there on the sand. So to our remaining listener, <laughs> uh, feel free to write in your thoughts right. on this topic. <laughs> And, and don't bother sending in dictionary definitions of synthetic and man-made. We're not having a semantic thing here. We just want to know what's the definition of a natural versus a man-made. Like, I mean, on the one hand, if you go all the way to the periodic table. Yeah, that's a, right? the element rayon, then, I believe, is just then below you can argue, argon. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you can argue, by my, by my logic, you can argue that nothing is man-made because everything is made of something in the periodic table, right? And we, we, with very few exceptions, we cannot create elements in the periodic table. So that's a weak argument for saying that everything... No, the drawing line is what occurs naturally in nature. And, uh, and all like semantics. CO2 appears it's... naturally in nature. That's a very clear line. So we got CO2 as natural. Yeah, carbon is natural yeah. and so yeah. is oxygen. So of course yeah. it's natural. Well, no, no. CO2 is natural because it actually occurs in nature. <laughs> That's the line. Glad we're not in the shed okay. because I think the boys would come to blows very soon. <laughs> well, the fun part of this is somewhere there's somebody who actually knows how science does that definition tearing their hair out. So I, I look forward to hearing from that person. <laughs> Great question, Skinny. <laughs> yeah, obviously that's a real, there's a, there's some easy editing. <laughs> Jesus. Killer guys. All right, RJ, tell us about this bunk, bunk bed. bed. Oh yeah. What there's a, uh, just amazing podcast. Not even sure that it's still being made, but you can find it on your podcast app and it is called, what is it called? Bunk beds. Is that what it says in any list? Yeah. Bunk bed. Oh, okay. Singular. Well, I follow Guy Garvey, who's the lead singer and songwriter from Elbow and, uh, Elbow. he said something about uh, an episode of bunk bed that he was in with his uh, wife or partner. And I listened to it and it was just magical. If you're at home, you want to just have a moment, especially at bedtime, I would say where you, in a way you recreate an atmosphere that is not necessarily as common today. Think about when you're, let's say at camp as a teenager, say it's bedtime and everybody gets into their bunk beds and all of a sudden, someone says something like, what if stars are windows into your soul? Or, you know, they have some, one of those kind of statements. And there's a gap of silence. And then someone else says, because, or whatever. And the, the conversation's kind of magical at that moment. And this bunk bed, they managed to recreate that. I am 
pretty sure that it's not a conceit. I think that the people come over to where the episode is recorded, they actually snuggle into these bunk beds and they they might accentuate the production a little bit, but you actually hear the sound of sheets and covers being moved around. And they just have all these cool kind of calming, almost zen-like conversations that are quite magical. So if you're interested in that, you could give that podcast a try. It's a BBC podcast. And if you wanted an opening one, you could look up the uh, Guy Garvey episode. But I've listened to a couple since, and they... They recreate it each time. It's actually quite nice. And it's all, is it all improv? Yes. As far as I can tell, that's the way it is. It does not sound scripted in the least. They might have some topics that they've thought ahead of time, or they might not. It might just be that they just let the conversation go. Like it, that's what it sounds like. Do they make you fall asleep? Yeah. I actually used it a couple times in bed. Just put <laughs> it on and it's like, yeah, this is great. Does anybody sound high? I don't think so. Is that how I they don't do think it? So, <laughs> no. I mean, they could be, but it's like Earth's solar system is like an atom of something. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's like one atom in a gigantic. Yeah, and I think I like gave the example stuff. I gave was definitely one of those uh, marijuana type thoughts, hmm. right? But it doesn't actually have that feel to it. But yeah, okay. I mean, it was sort of a serious question because you did hear those conversations under those circumstances. But in Cub Scouts, like you say, way before any of that, you would also hear the same flavor of thing. And it would be pretty refreshing if somebody's able to create that atmosphere. It's sort of normal. Yeah, that would it's be like magic. Cool. Okay, bunk bed. So uh, you guys holding on to your GameStop shares or what's up with that? I like the headlines today that said uh, there's a variant uh, of of the the what what did you call it? GameStop shares is a variant that's all of a sudden discovered and it's gone to silver now as in a, oh, as in as in a, a a virus variant. I just thought it was clever. <laughs> oh, by the way, I I keep calling I it GameStop. It's actually GameSpot. Uh, I thought I saw a tweet where some other company. Uh, actually, no, it was that's what it was. It was the Robin Hood Society of Nottingham. <laughs> Nottinghamshire in, in England who were very happy about the number of followers they had suddenly gained and everything. But they wanted to point out that they're not the company that allows you to buy and sell stocks. I thought that was really funny. Yeah. That stuff really hit the fan uh, coincidentally and I heard about it on January 26th. So on my birthday, just for kicks, I bought oh, 20 no. shares of Blackberry. Oh, Blackberry. Blackberry. Okay. Because BlackBerry was supposed to be under this same kind of yep. thing, right? And I just thought, let's, because I have had stocks for a while and I buy super conservative stuff. I don't look at it for months at a time because nothing ever had, you know, bank stocks, what are they going to do? But I bought this stuff and I watched it for, ah, probably, I don't know, an hour. And it was just Skin the day. We, really have a, we have a day trader amongst the shed dogs now. Uh, no, we don't. I watched it go though. And it, you know, like, so you buy it at, I think I bought it at 28 uh -huh. bucks. I refresh my screen and I'm down 6%. <laughs> uh, oh, I refresh my screen, I'm up 3%. I refresh my screen, I'm just refreshing the screen about every 10 seconds. And this thing's jumping around. I got up as high as 12% and I finally put in a, uh, like a sell order if it hit 17 and it did hit and I sold. 
and it's now sitting at about 1890 or something like that, which is probably pretty close to its, its former stock value. But while it was under that spell, wow, it's just so volatile, just banging around all over the place. And I saw graphs for uh, GameStop, you know, the last month. And the graph just goes along. It's just a flat line like a corpse. And then at the very end, it just goes vertical. Yeah. <laughs> and if you, if you take just the last day, it's just like the Grand Canyon in terms of valleys and peaks. It's just up and down, up and down, climbing overall, but really huge rises and falls yeah. in the course yeah. of that climb. And so then what did you guys think about <clears throat> at least one popular uh, trading a company, software company, stopped allowing the purchase of those stocks. They allowed sale, but they stopped allowing purchase because, you know. Wasn't that, they, wasn't that Robin Hood? Yeah. It might have been, yeah. Might have been. I just couldn't remember the name, but they stopped it. And why did they stop it? Well, because they also stopped trading of it. And then we've heard, at least in social media, some uh, speculation about regulatory change to address this sort of quote unquote stock manipulation unquote. What'd you guys think of that? Well, that's what it was exactly. Right. Because the hedge funds were losing so much money because they'd bet on all these short stocks that the, that trading company, which I believe was Robin, it was Hood, Robin Hood. just halted it. And that, I don't know what Elizabeth Warren had something to say about it. I don't know what, but I'm sure everybody's going, well, wait a second. All of a sudden, you're changing the game's rules just because you guys are losing, and low man, who's, who's having a little bit of fun here, is making you all scared, and that's uh, unfair, I believe. Exactly, because Robinhood uh, currently is held by venture capitalists, and there's absolutely no doubt those venture capitalists are heavily involved with, uh, with hedge funds that do all the short selling. Robinhood came out and said, oh, no, no. Uh, we are actually losing money because anytime someone does an option on a game game spot stock, you know, an option to buy, then Robinhood's required legally to actually buy the shares and hold them in case the person decides to exercise their option. And the options are supposed to be priced accordingly, like fairly expensive if it's anyway. I think yeah, That's but I think Robinhood is making that up, I'm pretty sure, because there's no wheels to that story. There's no analyst coming in saying, hey, everybody, just so you know, Robinhood would lose huge amounts of money if they didn't do this step. Nobody's really come forward to say that in any kind of persuasive mm, way. Too bad. So I do think the uh, some venture capitalist behind the scenes is pulling strings. But Robinhood has since relaxed I think you could just go and buy. I checked on TD Direct, my my broker, to see if I could buy, and I I, I think I could buy as many as I want if I was yeah. if I was in, in the that, mood to actually lose money. Well, Reddit deleted that thread too, eh? The uh, stock investing thread that was the apparent oh, did source they? of the. Yeah, they deleted it with on Wednesday or Tuesday. Just cut the head off the snake, I believe. Is that whole group there. or just the thread? Probably that uh-huh. thread. Yeah, just stopped it and. Yeah, you sort of think, I mean, earlier in this conversation, we went around semantics about synthetic and man-made, and I think we could have another go-round about what constitutes manipulation and what doesn't, and who engages oh, in it. Oh, totally. Like, but, I'm pretty sure that all the big boys 
engage in what has recently been defined as speculation or manipulation oh, among the pump and boys. dump is so common. Yeah. Like anybody yeah. who watches CNBC over and over or reads Bloomberg or like any, like who's that crazy guy who jumps around and does stock calls? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I know who you're talking about. Those guys are all doing legal pump and dump. Like there's people, well, it's probably illegal, but they can never get caught. Yeah. There's probably yeah. like, Hey, I'm going to talk about how great this, uh, this stock is, uh, on my show later today. So you go ahead and you know, of course they don't come right, spell it right out, but then that person who heard that just buys a whole shit ton of it. Jim Cramer goes on CNN or whatever he's on, pumps the hell out of it, talks about how great it is for the long term. That thing doubles. Like that's all it takes. He can, he can double a stock anytime he wants. And then all those guys sell about an hour later and it's just ridiculous. Well, these GameSpot guys were doing the same thing. Like they were all getting together. Hey, everybody, let's artificially inflate GameSpot's shares just by buying a bunch of options and forcing the Robin Hoods of the world to buy the actual stocks to back those options. And it's great. I mean, I, th- I thought it was great. It's interesting that across the line in the States anyway, even Ted Cruz was on the side of the 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 Reddit guys. Even oh, yeah, didn't know that. I think he's just trying to do something popular because mm. everybody hates him so much now. Appeal to his base. Yeah, that's right. He's going to appeal to what's left of his base. He goes like Ted Cruz posts with AOC. Yeah, I'm on side with what you just said. AOC says, oh. "Hey, don't talk to me, <laughs> you evil." Yeah. You had tried. You had. You almost had me murdered yeah, you, six days ago. So why don't you, you tried to have out, me murdered? Like yeah. Yeah. Hey, so isn't the yeah. isn't the new silver thread on Reddit? Isn't that isn't that whole business on Reddit? I I don't know. I What's really that? Don't know. Is now the I mean, time to buy silver? Well, they're they're doing the same thing, it, and I'm pretty sure the headline said Reddit is applying the same tactic to silver, and silver is starting to zoom. Oh boy! Well, on my island. There's no short yeah. selling allowed. There's no options allowed. You just can buy and sell stock. There are only the corporate reports, the quarterly reports, which, you know, anybody who's buying or selling can read those reports. I suppose you have to uh, allow analysts to state whether they agree with the reports or not. So on your island then, is everybody going to be allowed an education? Oh, this is a complete deviation from the topic. No, it isn't because you got to be educated to read those statements oh. to know. Oh, right. right. Geez, I haven't really thought it through, but uh, I'm only partially in favor of free education. Free education. Yeah. See, that's what I this was getting. I wasn't intended as a gotcha question just by the way, but I thought <sighs> like there's a lot of problems with education that's financially out of reach yeah. for lots yeah. of people, right? Creates classes. Yeah. The difficulty in giving it to everyone for free is that it takes away competition for the provision of education. Like that industry sort of suffers. So I, I don't know which way that goes in a in a your island. Yeah, kind there's of so much, scenario. so many difficulties in administering it. Right? Like you're you're assuming then that part of it being free is that the government takes over running those universities. Well, somebody's got to pay somebody for something. So yeah, because so if they I, stayed I private, the then the universities would simply charge a million bucks a year because education's free yeah. and they can make a whole shit ton of money and they would hire the best of the best because that way they yeah. could keep people going there. Yeah. Anyways, let's move on. Well, I thought that was there. fascinating. I've never really even thought about a free education like that before. 
So what? It, what, well, Ed, what? If what? What does it say when you want to um, uh, delete all student debt? Is what kind of thing is that? In 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 these same arguments, like does that that favor some people because they have a hundred thousand dollars in debt, and your college graduate has uh, thirteen thousand in debt? Uh, like, well, I I tend to think of that as a one time correction that wouldn't have a lasting effect. So, if you actually passed law that said we're going to delete all debt, then the very next thing that would happen would be. Nobody would allow you to accrue debt in terms of pursuing your education, right? No, I'm not going to loan you that money for that because the last time I loaned a bunch of people money, the government wrote it off for me. And that just means that your ability to get into that educational thing is that much more hampered. Now you can't even borrow the money to get in it. You got to have the cash in hand, which means that only people with lots of money will be able to provide that kind of education for their kids. Yeah, the lend- you're right. The lenders... Even if they just cancel the debt on a one-time basis, the lenders are going, well, now this could happen again. Yeah, but the lenders aren't the one who are paying for it. The government would pay for it, I am assuming. Right. True. Yes, but but it would still be a one-time deal, right? Yeah, but why couldn't you then reapply for a loan and the lender say, okay, and it looks like maybe your money, we're good for your money because if it gets bad in the future, the government will come in and save everybody again. Yeah. And we still get our money. That's true. That's a good point. Maybe. So, if I was a lender, I'd jack up my rates, though, because the odds of the government, any government, trying that on, like politically and financially, whew. but yeah, maybe they're talking I, about it. Well, they're talking about doing it once. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have a new theory to revolutionize social oh, theory. science. Excellent. And it doesn't have to do with eradicating student debt or going fully left into Marxism, do away with the stock market altogether, if that's what Marx recommended. Nice segues again. I'm thinking that if we just outlaw pickup trucks, all you pickup truck drivers out there, you just, you know, take a breath, work with me now, or at least add some serious science to who's allowed to buy them, we'll instantly reduce North American racism by a whole bunch. Could be other problems there, but uh, my thought is pickup trucks are becoming the totem of racism, and only good people driving pickup trucks should be feeling pretty bad about all the bad people that drive. Because, hey, I think yeah, uh, I think, I think we should buy Mike a Confederate flag, <laughs> <laughs> and he well, could fly he it from the back like. of his pickup truck. How many pictures have you seen of rallies where they're going to stop the steal and they're trying to run down campaign buses? And it's just like five miles of pickup trucks. Yeah. It's hardly any sedans now, in there at all. To be fair, like, I think if truck. you... <laughs> wait, wait, fair? <laughs> what, what you're saying is there's a correlation between pickup trucks and, uh, and uh, white supremacy. That's just idiotic. Yeah, no, no, I know. I know you're being idiotic purposely. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Again, thank you for that careful <laughs> distinction. Really I appreciate think, that. I'll bet you if you go to, like, first of all, if you go to a small town in British Columbia, then what, 80% of the um, personal vehicles on the road are pickup trucks? Uh, and then and then I'll bet yeah. you it's the same in the U.S. South. Um, yeah, I don't think it's 80%, but yes, it, there's way more. Uh, need for a utility vehicle like that. So way more yeah. people have. And I mean, when you have to carry all your uh, AR-15s out to the training camp, <laughs> what better thing to use than a pickup? 
That's right. You can't you can't mount a fifty cal on the bed of a That's Hyundai. Right. You, know, you just right. can't. <laughs> so those people naturally need their pickups, skin. <laughs> That's right. Well, when uh, when Uncle Tom moved out to BC because they had grown up on the, all over the prairies, the kids asked, "What happened to all the pickup trucks?" Oh, right. Because yeah. coming into Vancouver, like all of a sudden, it's not ninety five percent pickup trucks. It's like twenty, ten, yeah. Hyundai's. Yeah, I don't know where I was really going with that or what inspired that thought. It had to do with the bully trucks and the way they're driven. And then you go from there to what makes people drive a truck that's all jacked up in the air way I too thought you were making up. And really I thought you were making a play on correlation versus causation and kind of a little humorous dig. No, I'm, no. I might have been doing that in letters I wrote in the 70s, but no more. <laughs> that's beyond me at this point. <laughs> Okay. All right. All right. That was no, just a bit good. of fun. I just, just like, cause they really are so many guys like in an area where you actually use those things for what they were designed to do. The way they are driven is much more sort of civilized, right? I really think down here, most people in the big city buy pickup trucks so they can assert their manliness and they drive them ridiculously aggressively for the same reason. There you go. That should offend just a it zillion should. people, probably. Mm -hmm. I haven't noticed that big of a correlation with bad driving and pickups. You know what it probably is? It's probably a pickup truck being driven like a race car is probably way more noticeable than a family van being driven as a race car or an ordinary you know, Toyota sedan being driven as a race car. Like going in and out of traffic and cutting abruptly and all that stuff. When you see a pickup truck, do it you can see it for miles whereas an ordinary car is not so visible hey kj i figured out i know what you're up to there with your piano well that's a soundboard correct I, I forget what the name of it is in a piano the piece of the piano that's a great big massive board at the back is actually there for uh yeah for sonic reasons Hmm. Yeah, if I if I talk loud enough, I can hear he my voice vibrates. Right it has here. kind of a nice, warm sonic deepness to it. Um, very good strategy. Well, that's completely made up too, Rich, and I thank you for that. Actually, right now the piano is a mistake. It is, it is lost. I don't know where the piano goes. Oh, so it's there, and you just do not it's, know what to do with it at this it's point. It's stuck. Yeah. So I'll just uh, say this now because we're talking about it. when you guys come back to the shed, hopefully one Happy day, day. it yeah. might be 2022, but, no. oh, and by the way, happy February, but I think I might have one less chair, skinny. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, no. Well... It's been nice, you guys. I'll just have to do it from home forever while you have fun in this. No, no, I, I think you might have to sit on the couch. I don't, I don't know what will happen, but uh, the piano definitely has to move. <laughs> well, when we bought our Canadian piano for the kids back in the 90s, we had a tuner come down from North Van, and he said, okay, your entire set of strings here is pretty well down a half note. I don't really know what a half note is, but 
it's a lot. And he said, so I'm going to tighten them all. And there's a little bit of a risk here, (laughs) you know, because when you're doing that kind of major tightening, it's going to pull on the whole piano structure. So why, 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 before that Glenn guy from the science program died, didn't they do that? Just tighten a piano until it just implodes. Oh, right, yeah. That'd be so cool to do that. Or, you know those, you know the movies like Deep Blue, where they send the deep, deep ocean bathysphere down 20,000 feet or something, and then a tiny crack appears in the windshield and they all get all sweaty and then they zoom out for a far shot and the thing just squishes. It just goes. <laughs> just was, I did see a movie or a TV series that involved that recently. Well, you could do that. You could do that with a piano. Skinny, I think that. Yeah. Just an old, <laughs> you could do an old piano, piano that otherwise is not, not going to be worth any money yeah. at all. Yeah. It would be yeah. pretty cool. With a birdcage movement or something, whatever the one, the movement that's not as desirable. Well, if that show was still on, totally you could send that in as a suggestion and they would totally do it. They would just love to do that. They would set up maybe some little actuators to do the tightening because you can't be near it, right? Yeah. No, you would, you'd have to do it with the longest socket in the world. (laughs) (laughs) I don't always crush pianos by a socket, but when I do, I use the longest socket. And then once the piano totally implodes, then they'd blow it up. Well, yeah. And you could do the, you could watch in slow-mo and. Skinny, there's a lot of free pianos out there, you know, if you want to take this on. Yep. I don't think that's true, sir. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because people don't, really f- like Griffin just bought himself a piano and uh, it's an electric piano. And I think that's the thing. I'm sure that families in big enough houses are still buying uprights, but I think the electric piano has taken over because they're so darn good now. Yeah, it's the sound and the feel as well. Like they, they do remarkable work with those keys to feel real and the harder you strike the key the louder the volume is there's a huge amount of technology goes into that yeah i want to hear from kj about this since he's an actual piano well i was just going to say that i bet i've seen three free pianos in the last month dylan who is moving pianos these days picked up i think a small upright for free that he has in his place now so they're out there and i think you need to do this uh YouTube long, long sockets. PJ, ten million plays, easy. Easy. You pull in easy. maybe twenty, thirty, forty thousand bucks for doing that. Come on! Holy! Yep. Wow! Well, okay. I'll have to not get on it right away because <laughs> that's that's what I'm best at. I happen to be a world-class person for not getting on it right away. Yeah, and other than that, I don't know anything about the interior workings of a piano. I, <laughs> I do know that yeah, I, my RD700, which I haven't used in a long time, Dylan used it for quite some time, probably my first really decent electric piano, and it, uh, that, that whole touch thing, when you do it, it's just kind of amazing. You think, oh, oh, this works exactly like it's supposed to yeah. work. Like you say, the... The hard touch, the soft touch, the everything, right? Yeah. Very clever. And the rebound on it. And yeah. I helped it's, Griffin put it together. It's pretty straightforward. It, uh, and I saw, oh, the back of this piano, which is against the wall, has the word Roland in big letters across it. And it just never occurred to me. I've been to a 
500 concerts in my life, a lot of concerts. And you've always got the key keyboard player standing up there and the word Roland or Yamaha. It never, never occurred to me that that's advertising. It's, it's obviously advertising, but it, Oh, thank God. I was afraid you were going to tell me you thought <laughs> so many guys named Roland somehow took up the piano. I, what was going on? I always on? thought, you know, and it's remarkably good advertising because a lot of people who are attending those concerts are probably by a keyboard. Well, whenever I watch, when I see somebody playing the piano, particularly grand pianos, I always look for the logo that's right in the center of the keyboard, right? Yep. Like, what are, what are they playing and does everybody play a... Whatever. That's right. A Baldwin or a... The guys you see doing grand pianos in front of large orchestras are the creme de la creme guys, yeah. if that's mm-hmm. what you're talking about. Huge advertising, because they always have the close-up on the soloist. Mm-hmm. And so if you see Yamaha there, Yamaha grand piano sales and probably motorcycle sales are going to see an uptick. You know, like Didn't uh, Glenn Gould always m- tour with his piano? Oh, probably. I, I think he did. Yeah, sounds right. Yeah, way yeah. more expensive to tour that way. Oh my God, just the tuning fees. But I imagine like the big, big bands, like I imagine Supertramp would bring their own piano along because they always made a, yeah. yeah. The Shed Dogs Deep Thoughts. Okay, fine. fine. <laughs> Let me just turn over in my bunk bed here. <laughs> yeah, okay, all right. Oh, they're so. clever today, aren't they? Oh, they're clever. I haven't gone and looked up which atom has nine electrons, <laughs> but I'll have to get on that right away. I thought that oh. the idea was the sun was the, was the sun was the nucleus. the The whole idea was some central thing with nine smaller things orbiting around it. But who knew there was worlds within worlds within like worlds, month. It just goes on like forever and Yeah, just a little fact-checking because I think a number of our audience is probably just tearing their hair out in there as they travel to and from work here. (laughs) The number of protons is equal to the atomic number, and the number of electrons in a neutral atom is equal to the number of protons. So that would be in their normal state. A neutral atom's in its normal state. So then what would we be looking for? An atom that has this number of protons? Yeah, that would be the whatever in the periodic table is number nine. Okay. Okay. Somebody's obviously looked that up. And all you people who've been tearing your hair out, you know, deep breath, nice little drink of water. Think about teddy bears. (laughs) Relax. (laughs) I think we could do a combo ASMR bunk bed episode. Nice. Well, I I was going to say something about that bunk bed thing being next level ASMR because that's what it sounds like. It sounds like slightly more wide awake ASMR. That's all we got for this week. Thanks for being with us. We hope you're taking care of yourselves. We had a lot of fun this afternoon. We hope you've enjoyed yourselves and that you write in if you have other stuff that you need us to know. We do listen. We're not just stubbornly ignoring all your advice even if jesse of montreal is right about everything we will still try to listen to his advice (laughs) vaccine is another couple weeks closer so that's good boys you got anything you want to say in terms of farewells to our faithful uh see you next time keep the faith (laughs) (laughs) so you can tell from that it's pretty exhausting (laughs) doing the podcast it's it's a lot Everybody's pretty drained at the end, and it probably exhausts you to hear us too. So take care of yourselves, get all the rest you need, stay.
stay away from that nasty COVID and listen to us again soon. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye.